Studio. Hey, really quickly, just wanted to let you know that the Inspiring Talk podcast is now available in video format on YouTube. If you'd like to watch this conversation, you can head on to our YouTube channel, Vijay Gautam. While you are at it, show us some love and subscribe to the channel so that you won't miss the upcoming episodes. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. India from a logistics index does very poorly compared to its global peers. When you are starting, you just feel that the value proposition is so great that you start the order like this. Uh, in 2015 the market crashed and we had to let go of people and it was especially hard because it was not their fault it was our fault we had uh, in our all foolishness and immaturity had tried to diversify too soon uh, had tried to run before we even had the right even before we had learned to walk uh, the fundamentals of the business are a lot more as you were saying that media celebrates and we as a city celebrate that you're raising more capital is a validation of success and that's something you're doing something is right but we realize that mm. raising capital is something that is not right a business is supposed mm. to earn and generate money and not keep mm. on burning money uh, businesses are not built overnight and there's a time and place for diversification and uh, you, there's no point spreading yourself too thin do one thing and do it mm. good versus doing too many things and failing yeah. there's no point hurrying so i think things mm. that are built with time with care also lasts mm. longer From Wine Studio, you are listening to the Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business, and career to the next level. I'm Vijay Gautam, and in today's episode, how a business started by friends on an Excel sheet. is now valued at over 3500 crores. Pranab Goel is the CEO of Porter, one of the leading logistics companies in India. In 2014, Pranab along with his two other friends started Porter with 2 lakhs investment each. When they started Porter, they knew that they were set up against some of the biggest players in the logistics space, yet they dared to dream big. And today Porter is backed by investors like Sequoia Capital and Tiger Global among others and is valued at 3500 crores. In this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast, Pranab candidly shares about the time when he had to let go of people, some of the unheard stories of struggle in building Porter and lessons learned the hard way that we all can learn from. This is the episode that will show you what's possible if you have the determination and hunger to chase your dreams and how you can start literally on an excel sheet. Let's hear it from Pranav Goel. Pranav, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks Pajar. Very excited to be talking to you on Tuesday morning. Pranav, you come from the family um you know with the business background your dad was into business and a lot of people have the, this common notion that when your upbringing is a bit of a privileged as compared to most of the people you don't have the same hunger as most of the people you have done the other way around right so but do you think like generally most of the people who come with privilege 
uh, do not have the kind of hunger? I have seen both kinds. I have seen people who have had, or the most ambitious, even though coming from a place of uh, privilege. And I have seen people who have who don't come from a place of privilege and they don't have that kind of hunger. I think it's a little uh, difficult for me to generalize. And I think if I go back to my specific story, I can see at least my parents were very strict uh, in our upbringing. And I'll just give you a few examples of how it sort of shaped me as a person. So while growing up, cricket is a big thing in India. And all of us used to watch cricket matches on TV. I was not allowed to do that. <laughs> and the only reason was that he would, my father would keep saying that success comes to do us and not observers. You go out, you play, you play for the entire day. I don't have a problem, but you can't just sit and watch TV. There's nothing that you gain out of. So I think there's some, uh, many such small, small things that, that they did as they were bringing up their two kids. Right there. Like just go and do something, just dance it and watch is such a such a powerful thing a parent can you know tell their kid uh, to to encourage them to go and take action. That's just amazing. I loved it. Yes. And second is that as we were bringing as we were uh, growing up, I was pushed to do everything on my own, be it interacting with school authorities. Everything was to be done by me. I think it's that sort of build a kind of independence as we were growing up that there's strong bias to action and be independent. Why do you need, I'm there to support your decisions, but you have to take your own decisions in your life. And, and that started very early on. Uh, and we are there to support you. And we know that you're wise enough and you'll take the right, right decision. So I think that sort of build a strong bias to action and very strong need for independence very early on in our life. Were you the older one? Do you have I'm, I'm, I'm the older one. My uh, younger one is four years uh, younger sister to me. Because what I have seen is the older ones are usually handed over with a lot of responsibility, right? For instance, I remember when I was growing up, I would know everything about like how the money flows in my house, right? So when my dad used to send home some money uh, from his job, and then I would know that what what's the exact amount that came in and how the how it's going to be budgeted and 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 because of which also like you said that uh, before i could go and ask my mom that i need something because i already also know that there is no money like for instance if i want anything then right then i wouldn't go and i would only say when i know that you know it's extremely necessary and my younger you know sister she wouldn't uh, even know half of the things because you know she was not is involved as I was. And maybe also because my dad was not around, mom involved me in the entire sort of thing. So that's why I asked, like, are you are you the older one? But also, do you think being older sibling allows you to sort of, older one allows you to um, be more responsible, take more responsibilities and learn more? I think at least the way I see my uh, household, I think it was less about being old and it was more about being a boy and a girl. I think I was a little... She was a little bit more protected compared to me. She had all the privileges I, I did not. I was pushed to, uh, so I've been going to school by cycle. It was two, two and a half kilometers. And I come from a place which is very, very hot. All my friends had a, and I come from a small, small town. So they all had these scooties and activas. And I was one of the very few ones who had a cycle to, to office. My sister still used to get a privilege of a car. But <laughs> that was not given to me. <laughs> 
So I think I seen that some of these things were a little stricter on me versus, uh, but not because of being older, but just because of their Indian parents are a little bit more protective about a girl child. Mm. So did you always wanted to get into business? I think yes, that was an eventuality I knew would happen sooner or later. From a very early age, I've been very intrigued by business. My father was amused that, "Yar, itna chota hai aur business ki baatein kya karta hai mujhse?" <laughs> you should not discuss such things. And I remember when I was in fifth, uh, and this is something that I don't remember, but my father keeps telling me that uh, one day you come up to me and say that I'll do twenty businesses, and my father surprised and amused asked me that how will you manage it? So I said, "Ki I have a, a large family." the joint family and i will give one business to him one business to uh, the other person and that's how i will distribute and manage 20 businesses so i've been spending my summer vacations during late school time and college at my father organization uh, just going there and seeing things in action and i think apart from just the fact that how a business runs i think a couple of things that sort of stayed with me uh which i seen my father discuss or talk to my mother and sort of catched on was that 30 years back he had a wild goal that he would he need to provide uh, at least a house a car and a foreign trip to his people that are working for him and now it seems very common but 30 years back uh, these were the only aspiration that a middle income group in india would have ki are ghar mil jaye khud ka ho jaye ek गाड़ीटेक्सिंगय was when i saw those things in action and that sort of stuck with me i've seen him work very hard to ensure that their children my father's staff children go to good schools they have good admissions they have good access to access to good good medical facility and i've seen him work very hard to ensure ki wo khud jaate the ki admission nahi ho raha tha chalo aapka admission karata hai kahin dekhta hai ye school acha hai ye tuition teacher acha hai the same fight effort that he would put for us i've seen him extend that to his Uh, to people that used to work for him. Hmm. Were you a bright kid? <laughs> Not till fifth, but after fifth, I've always been a bright kid. Just it was just uh, it came naturally to me to score good. I I know that I don't sound humble, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know. I have no idea. I I think nothing changed from my effort perspective. but suddenly i realized that i was able to score better and score more and then eventually went to iit uh so i got to know about iit in 8th uh, 9th uh i have a young elder cousin who went to iit delhi from my mother's side and then he sort of talked to my parents ki iska kya soch rahe ho and then a quota plan was made for me for 11th and 12th that i got to know in 10th that a quota is where <laughs> the road to iit success happens and that's how i it started for me i had a crazy wild idea in 10th class that i'd heard from him while talking to my elder brother that it's easy for iitians to to get a job 
anywhere in the world, not just in India. And I've always wanted to travel abroad. And I had this foolish or a, a naive idea that I get into IIT. And then through IIT, I'll get different, different jobs in different, different countries. Uh, to me, traveling abroad was staying there for two, three years. Really immerse yourself in that culture, that context, and then move on. So business was an eventuality. I thought that by IIT, I'll travel 10, 15 different countries. And by the time I turn 40, I will come back and join family business. That was my life goal back in 10. Fast <laughs> 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 forward, I realized what I, <laughs> the random crazy idea it was. <laughs> yeah. So um, you started Porto, the company that you run today, and it's several milestones with the company now. Uh, you started with your colleagues at, I mean, your classmates in IIT, right? So how did the whole thing about Porto came about? So I think it was not a uh, eureka moment for us. This is back in 2013, two years into our job. And uh, we were thinking about next phase of our life. Uh, one of my co-founders was about to get married. I was contemplating joining my father's business. And we thought that, hey, these two uh, events can happen six months or one year down the line. Why don't we give a shot of trying something of our own? Uh, while working in JP Morgan, we got exposed to digital ecosystem. And there's a lot of disruption that happens in internet space globally and in, in India. And that was a time when Indian startup ecosystem was just about taking off. There were a couple of success stories like Flipkart, Mintra. And that gave us a lot of confidence that something can be at least we have a courage and there's some path to starting on your own. And then we researched for six months, a couple of ideas, sectors that we, that we explored, ranging from healthcare, people's transportation, carpooling, warehousing. We sort of love the idea of logistics uh, because from a high level, it's extremely large market in India and an inefficient one. India from a logistics index does very poorly compared to its global peers. So we knew that there will be opportunities. It's a large market, a broken market. If we look deep enough, there will be opportunities. Now, at that point in time, we were sort of inspired by Uber. Uber was a poster uh, boy of all startups of in 2013. Startups yes. uh, it's a sexy app. You get a taxi on the app. You can see it coming. And this is back in 2013. When nothing, it seems very so obvious today, but it was not so obvious in 2013. And while returning from office, the other co-founder, Uttam, uh, and we both used to work in the same company, same apartment, and we're returning back from office. He mentioned that I see a lot of these light commercial vehicles. They're always there, but we never notice them. And should we just talk to them and understand their problem? And that's how Porter started. We realized that there's a massive market. It's a broken market demand, supply. Both doesn't have a good experience. And by aggregating, by creating a tech platform, we can solve the efficiency problem, the matchmaking problem that exists in the market. We can provide a better solution to all stakeholders. Customers get a good, good service, low price, drivers earn more money, and we, we are able to create a business. So the idea is to create the Uber for the light commercial vehicles. I would not sort of go and say that it's Uber for uh light commercial vehicles exactly because at that still, point of time at that yes. point of time was that the yeah yes yes but there's still because each market is a little different and this specific nuance to each market but yeah if you have to say at a high level it is uberish kind of a business model 
to enable like commercial vehicles <laughs> yeah so but you were three people while you had exposure to the business in your family but you didn't have like hands on sort of experience of being in the business running a business and and i'm sure the same goes with the other two co-founders as well right that's true i had a dinner conversation exposure to business that's all <laughs> nothing yeah. hands on so but you were up against some of the big giants in logistics like including the international players like even though not necessarily playing in the same space like you guys uh were thinking of but still like from the logistics as a uh, as a segment there were bigger players in the market right and also it's it's such a such a big market at the same time such a big like problem to solve and a lot uh, and and bigger challenges right so what sort of gave you the confidence in saying that hey you know what i think we can make it happen like where did that what that voice sounded like i think youth idealism <laughs> you are 24 years old you feel you are always overconfident and you have just so much trust in your <laughs> uh in your caliber and in your skills uh to be honest i i was always fortunate to have a great support system uh family while i was growing up that they always used to back my decisions always gave me the independence and as i went into college surrounded by great friends and that becomes your support system so i think if you have a strong solid support system uh some of these things becomes a little easier the people around you are positive they believe that hey we can do it even on days when you are down when you feel a little skeptical when you have self doubts and which is very common and natural uh a support great support system always works and they give you the extra push that that self belief and conviction they uh, we can do it first few years at, at porter where you know you guys were out there on the road talking to the drivers and trying to convince them to you know get into the system and uh, operating from your house three of you operating from a room and uh, you picking up the customer calls like what that hustle phase looked like and what are the key three lessons you learned from that phase which you would want to pass on to the younger uh, you know like 24 or 23 years old founders who might be in one room building a startup while they're listening to this so we started with the pure play bootstrap model uh, all three of us had saved 2 to 2 lakhs each from our two years of work experience and that doesn't give you a lot of luxury in terms of where you can spend how much you can spend uh, unless you raise a funding round the first one month we thought that hey we have a good enough house everyone goes to office the uh, in the afternoon uh, during day and can we use double that up to save money as a their office and we started putting uh, the first hiring jds on olx quicker knocky.com uh, to get get cvs and we started interviewing them from our home office which we realized later on was a mistake because if we start thinking from the person who's coming for an interview he sees that hey where am i is this even a legitimate company why why they don't even have an office why are they interviewing on a sunday in their bedroom <laughs> what's what's wrong it doesn't look professional at all interviewing <laughs> <laughs> in the bedroom <laughs> and oh, no. i think it took us one month to realize this that hey we need a proper office 
And to be fair, we had one person who actually took a leap of faith and joined us. And we realized that we couldn't hire anyone. People were saying, no, no, we and, or would stop picking up our calls. <laughs> and then we took a uh, one, one room office. I still remember it was around 18,000 rupees rent. Bombay is still expensive. And it was, it was Delhi? It was Bombay. Bombay. And then uh, now you need furniture for that, that one room office. Again, all of this, when you only have five, six lakh rupees, yeah, how you can't spend a lot of money. Uh, you, whether you spend on business or you spend on the infrastructure. So I think, again, there are a lot of OLX Quakers. One office was moving out of or selling uh, that home office furniture. We bought few desks, chairs, few computer systems. We hired few people, small PRI line. There was no tech at that point in time. It was all managed on Google Sheet. Uh, so pure hustle, and I think it used to take us 20 calls to find, to match one order. A customer would call, a call center would pick up, he would tell pick up and drop. He would go on Google Maps, find out the distance and the time. Then there was a Google sheet on which it would fill all these details. Then he would call and find the driver who's available, close to that location, and then match it. And ensure the driver is reaching on time and providing a good service. Wow. And in the first couple of uh, months, I think so the first seven, 10 days, I remember I was the one who was manning the call center because you could not hire anyone pilot at home. And Uttam, the other co-founder, was out on field adding drivers and customers. Uh, the first order came after the first 10 days. And and it's not easy sitting by phone, just thinking, every phone, I every phone, I every phone. <laughs> and there are no orders. Because when you are starting, you just feel that the value proportion is so great that there's no order for the first 10 days. And then as we started hiring people, uh, uh, then we started one person who was there to manage or handle the calls. Then me and them both were out on field, adding customers, adding drivers. This went on for two, three months. Uh, It was in September 2014. We had launched operations in August 2014, like uh, a month later. But the tech, we started working on it. There's still some time before it gets. And for us, it took us like, uh, the first was our internal CRM. We realized that Google Sheet is not a scalable thing. We need to first replace that. And then have a driver app and then a customer app. So driver app came somewhere in mid of 2015. <laughs> Solid nine, ten months. Till that time, it was all on call center, Google Sheets, and internal CRM. Uh, and that that home office became a one room office. We raised our first round of funding uh, in December, is when we signed the term sheet. And we we're almost about to go out of uh, money. We, if it would have been delayed by two months, we would have the capacity or the resources to carry on. And 2015 was a very interesting market. Uh, raising capital was a lot easier. It was a very founder-friendly market, as you say that. Yeah, you could raise just with the idea, pitching the idea, and if you know they loved it, then you know they would throw money at you because you just presented a great idea. That yeah. And that one of home office became a one-room office, and then we have larger office, and we keep shifting every six months to a bigger, bigger office as the organization was becoming bigger. And once we had capital and resources, we were able to build a great team, invest in building team and expanding to different cities. And then we raised a series A. Yeah. 
So I'll um, take a pause and I'll, we'll talk about Series 8. But before that, I ask a lot of my guests about, you know, perfection and, you know, waiting to have that perfect taken place before I launch the uh, launch my business or a product or idea or a YouTube channel, whatever that is, right? And here you are saying that, you know, you started a company, uh, a logistic or tech company with everything on Excel sheet and phone and stuff like that and did that for over a year, almost a year, even before you released that first version of the app, right? Um, I think, you know, that's such a, such a powerful lesson for everyone, you know, listening here. If you have an idea, go ahead and execute. And I believe that, you know, just you can share from the lessons perspective those first years maybe taught you a lot on what you might need on your app or that version one itself, right? Because you were here doing a lot of transactions on day-to-day basis, talking to customers, talking to drivers, understanding everything, and also looking at the internal CRM requirements and stuff like that. And when you were developing the tech, as opposed to developing a tech without being in the market, like assuming that helped you put out much better version one. Hmm. Absolutely, you're correct that. We are all waiting for, for the perfect app, perfect idea, perfect tech. Perfect ideas, apps never exist. Even after nine, eight years, we're still work in progress. We're still iterating. So don't wait for it. I think just get out there, get your hands dirty and start executing. And these things, start building them in parallel. I think time has a bigger cost. Uh, wasting time has a bigger cost than anything else. And this was our first MVP that can you launch can you start? And if there's a product market fit, I think you can do everything without a very strong tech at the start. Mm, great. So you were talking about Series A. From that one room and Excel sheet and phone call to Series A, uh, as you were saying that you know it was much easier to raise funds uh, back in those days. So I'll just give you context that starting a company and running a company is an emotional roller coaster, right? One day you are down, and the other day you think that you're king of the world. <laughs> so the first last six months of 2014, so the business was off on its feet, but we couldn't, uh, it was, uh, we were trying to raise capital, but it took like six months for us to raise capital. Uh, and we got the first round of money. That was one validation that, hey, we are something on the right track. And the second round happens before we even started to look for it. It just happened like a three four months gap between our first round and second round and we realized that within a year we have raised more than 35 crores funding and we were at 24 25 years old back then uh, very immature very impatient and we started seeing that raising capital is a validation of our success now we have earned all the right to be successful and what we did was that uh, we were doing intracity. Our first app was not launched. The idea was that we'll create a tech solution, tech-enabled solution for intracity. We thought that because now I'm the boss, I'm the king. Let's start one more business. That is intercity. Now, these two industries, uh, though they are within logistics, but are completely different market. The customer is different. The operating model is different. The supply, the driver's profile is different. And we started building a team for it. Uh, we built a 50-member team within the first three, four months and scaled up revenue, started talking to customers. And we were thinking that, hey, we'll raise another round in the next three, four months. Our board, to be true to them, they sort of tried to 
make us listen to good advice that hey you all companies historically only diversify once they have solved for their core business problem you don't even have an app <laughs> you have <laughs> not even learned to walk and mm. don't think that raising capital is a sign of your success no that money is given you to prove that some of these things that exist on paper can and also because the way yeah and also because the because the way raising capital is celebrated by media and you are all over the places you know everybody is celebrating that oh my god you know you've raised so much of money now you know you you have made it July August in 2014 it was still a large it was around 100 crore ticket size and i said ki nahi nahi hum itne to aur zyada raise karenge aur wo dekh rahi hu ki what you like ek saal nahi aaya tumhe numbers nahi aaya baatein dekho and uske baad for the next 2 3 years we even, we struggled to even raise 1/10th of that amount <laughs> and from saying no to 100 crore to not able to raise uh, 10 15 crores easily that just shows how the market shifted and how wrong we were in our in our own bubble do you also think like you know raising capital sort of also fed your ego in terms of like hey you know what now that you know if people are willing to invest if there is somebody who is willing to give me 100 crore then there's somebody who you know someone else would give me 200 crore or you know now i have sort of merit do you think that sort of uh, तो ईगो तो आया था आई थिंक ईगो भी आया था और इमेच्योरिटी भी आई थी और ईगो वही था ना कि अब तो हमें ज्यादा पता है मतलब एंड वी आर 24 25 इयर्स ओल्ड हैव नॉट स्टिल डन एनीथिंग बट वी नो मोर देन एनीवन एल्स आई थिंक दैट वाज द बिगेस्ट लर्निंग इन 2015 द मार्केट क्रैश एंड वी हैड टू लेट गो ऑफ पीपल एंड इट वाज स्पेशली हार्ड बिकॉज़ इट वाज नॉट देयर फॉल्ट इट वाज आवर फॉल्ट वी हैड Uh, in our all foolishness and immaturity had tried to diversify too soon uh, had tried to run before we even had the right even before we had learned to walk so we didn't even have a right to exist in intrastate but we were trying to think that hey we'll solve for industry also and i think those conversations were a big conscience checker for us ki yeah, you cannot take hiring so easily and that was the biggest down point in learning for that and from that day onwards we were very very careful in terms of hiring in terms of setting the expectation in terms of behaving like an adult and not like a like a kid on steroids and and i think that made us a better company overall it made us appreciate the the fundamentals of the business a lot more as you were saying that media celebrates and we as a society celebrates that raising more capital is a validation of success and that something you're doing something is right but we realize that raising capital is something that is not right a business is supposed to earn and generate money and not keep on burning money so i think raising more money means that hey you're still taking longer to to become profitable you're still more far away from your end goal that means that you've failed at certain functions uh, and certain duties i think that was a big big call for us that was the biggest lesson and after 2000 
once that once we close that division we also had to take a hard call in terms of how we uh, behave as a company within intracity and i remember uh, that end of 2015 we had pay cuts across the organization now and we were the only ones who was having pay cuts and that makes it even tougher that you're the only one who's giving a bad news to your folks but i think what has happened in our journey and this has happened all subconsciously that we were able to put the right value system in, in the company and the real test of the culture is uh, when the things are not going your way what does how does the company behave or the people in the company behave and as you're mentioning now how do you get the conviction i think again the support function of family friends and then and then people at porter i think that has always been un, has always been unwavering despite the fact that the market was not good for us we were not able to raise capital we were asking people to take pay cuts and none of, none of the none of our folks left us all of them were happy to take a pay cut and still had a high conviction that this business will become big and we will ultimately solve it yeah so pranam you mentioned about having to shut down the inter intercity logistic division and let go of the team that you built for that division you've grown up seeing your father taking care of people working really hard to make sure that their needs are met and then here you have to let go of people and you are left with no other choice what were you feeling and what was that conversation that you had with yourself at that point of time how you know did that impact you you know what was going on ahead at that point of time within yourself not among your founders anything but within yourself because you know fundamentally that you know this is what my dad did all all his life and here i have to sort of let go of people how did that make you feel worst days of my life i think so many self doubts hota na ekdam hero se zero wala ki matlab tere raja hai aur aisa lagta hai classy bhi nahi hua so i think the worst feeling in the life that you have let down so many people and it's not their mistake and it's all because of you and of your immaturity of your not so right decisions and i think the next and it sort of not just stayed uh, for that one or two days but i think it impacted me for uh, for one or two years and it, and it has some impact on your performance as well because you feel a little lost uh, you have more self doubts than you should and you're always questioning your other questions other uh, way forward and that has an impact but i think uh, the other co-founders were much much nice and supportive and i think through their support conviction uh, i was able to ride out of that bad phase uh, in my life mm. so what's the lesson and perseverance that you learned through this phase of portal so i think the the first lesson was that uh, businesses are not built overnight and there's a time and place for diversification and you there's no point spreading yourself too thin do one thing and do it good versus doing too many things and failing it Yeah, there's no point hurrying. Uh, things are not built overnight. Taj mein ek raat mein nahi bana tha, nahi ban sakta. Aur agar ek raat mein bana to itni jaldi girega wo. So I think things that are built with time, with care, also lasts longer. And I think that was one appreciation. Second, the appreciation was for that fundamentally business are supposed to make money. Uh, raising capital is not a validation of success, but business model is a validation of success. Uh, user. experience user success stories is a validation of success and i think uh has also a strong realization that we've always heard that you build a good culture you treat your folks right uh you have the right value system in your company and that helps 
but in a good time you, you don't know whether it's the right thing or not because those things are never tested but i think early on in our life we realize the importance of the right culture and how a team is something that is most important competence in us if you have a good team it allows you to persevere through through bad times after 2015 uh, as i was mentioning that we rejected an offer of 100 crores and then raising even 10 15 crores was tough the next 3 years was very very difficult people there was in general uh, a lot of money there was an overhang from uber for expenses models people investors did not want to invest in uber for x uh, we were finding it difficult to raise capital even though we were the market leaders even though our numbers were getting better and that is just not a comfortable situation to be in uh, when you hear no every time you meet investors and i would have met like more than 100 investors and every time you hear no no i think these kind of odds or these kind of rejections does not exist in any of the industry hearing no so many times again gets you into a different direction ki yaar kya am i doing something wrong <laughs> in number to theek lag raha hai but why is there such negativity around me why am i not able to convince people that hey this will become big this is a worthy enough opportunity or to to solve for and again that conviction comes in self doubt but if you have a good support system and i think i'll again point to my co-founders and senior people at porter sort of kept saying that they need to care sooner or later the investor will come we just need to keep our heads down keep on executing keep on improving business which was getting improved day on day nine nine and i remember that it took us 3 years before we were able to convince an investor and those 3 years the core team did not did not move out of porter that's a great great validation of the culture and the conviction that and conviction is not just carried by one person it's a it's a collective conviction uh, and that how that sort of helped us go uh, tied over this these bad times and come out so i think perseverance uh, businesses are not built one in one night it takes time so be patient if you have a good business model if it works as uh, soon or later the market will reward you great and then you know um after that 2018 sequa came in and you know you came the business is back on track and then the lockdown happens and then you go into uh because you were in logistics and then you know again um the another sort of challenging times uh sort of comes up for you guys and you know when we're talking offline you mentioned that when you were talking about the pay cuts some of your employees sort of walked up to you and said that you know hey why have you not taken bigger Baker for me don't you think I'm I'm important enough for I'm is it not my business as well or during the first stint yeah hmm. Hmm. so one of the core team member came up to us and we were suggesting that hey we know that different people have different cash needs but as per your comfort if you can pitch in to to help company grow and we will reward you with a uh, commensurate equity so that you are not out of money and we remember a senior tech person coming up to us and saying here and we suggested a lower pay cut for him Uh, and he coming to us that he i am offended over what happened ki why is it such a low pay cut for me i can take more given my life stage right now and i want to contribute to my company also and i think though some of these moments just stick with you and make you appreciate more the people you have on board but sequoia was uh, just one correction sequoia was there with us during 2015 as well series a was done by sequoia Uh, and later light drop came uh, before just before covid and i think money came after the first lockdown 
during the first lockdown and was super scared that we were running out of money investors were uh, not investing <laughs> but they honored their uh, their commitment and ended up investing in us but this was the first time we had any any semblance of money and then covid hit uh, now people were expecting that hey for the last 3 years we have worked on lower salaries because for the company now company has raised money now we will be rewarded but <laughs> having a conversation with them again that and this is during first covid wave when everything was uncertain you did not know whether covid will be there for two years one years what kind of impact it will have on your business and during the first lockdown uh, we saw our business go down by 95% and and that's a big big massive hit and we don't know it's a one year story two year story and we had to conserve cash we had to increase our, our runway and people are expecting the other thing people expect that we have good reasons we have already suffered for three years now the company has raised money now it's the time for us to get rewarded and we are going to have a conversation with them that hey <laughs> things are bad things are tough let's go for another pay cut and i think again we did we see that uh, the team sort of understood the uh, rationale uh, and he said that hey as the moment we get more clarity we will revert back to our initial position and the conversation was that hey how should we, how should you structure the pay cut now you have few folks in call center on field who are directly attributing to order but since everything is closed there's no order their work is uh, reduced to there's no work for them and there's tech business team which again they work out of they can work out of office they still work for them like they're still building your tech uh, building your tech system so there was a conversation that hey should we take a uniform pay cut across the company or should we cut those functions where we have less work and how should we structure the pay cuts because if you have a uniform pay cut becomes more socialist but if you have more uh, pay cuts as per the function as per merit becomes more of a capitalist kind of an approach and socialist approach has a problem that you are penalizing your great guys to carry the entire organization along with them and the great guys the high performers it's always easy for them to get a job outside your company and they are the ones who have the highest impact for your company so i think those trade offs uh, those decision making those difficult times shows how the company what what is more valuable to a company having a much more meritocracy or during bad times you behave like a family and ensure that everyone moves along i think after a lot of deliberation we went ahead and have the uniform pay cuts more for the senior folks who are high performing versus and we ensure that those was let off and i think some of these decisions in our mind we were thinking that unko kya lagega but i we realized that some of these is our own fears uh, this is these discussions these issues are already in their mind because that's the culture you have people appreciate people appreciate the value system you have and they mm-hmm. sort of authentically going and you know sharing that hey guys this is the scene and i'm not trying to make anything up and then you know um and this is this is where we are it and i you know i have also felt whenever we have those open conversations people tend to appreciate and i think for the people who are listening and the leaders who are listening that's the that's probably the lesson here that you know you don't have to uh, sort of take people in circles like just say what it is and be you know is open and authentic and you know and do that with humility and you will see that people when they know that you know you are authentic and you are sort of you know open in sharing then they tend to sort of understand and 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 resonate with what you're saying right absolutely and 
I think they also appreciate because they're also from a similar value system. You know? That's why they're a part of your company and your culture. And if you are inconsistent with your culture, they don't forget. They remember that the company did not, the conduct was not in consistency with the culture. And they also realize that, hey, in bad times, this is how the company behaves. They're also always evaluating company. And I think it's it's a good, it's also a good, good value system if you're consistent with your value it's system. It's a really good perspective, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think we, we realize that people are also watching how you act, how you conduct, especially during bad times. And we've always seen that both these bad times, uh, the company came out stronger. Uh, the culture was even tighter. It got reinforced. And we got another validation that, hey, uh, at least from a culture point of view, is something that subconsciously we've been built. We've been able to build it the right way. Super. So Pranav, I have a few questions which I'm going to shoot at you and let's do it like super quick, rapid fire uh, style. What inspires you to do everything that you do? I think my family, I've, they've set a very high benchmark for me. Uh, from day one and I think some of these systems in terms of the culture I've always seen my family they've always had a spiritual side to them also and we got exposed to that as growing up that uh, you get more than you give uh, so it's in your self-interest to be a giver so give more give more give more was always a constant theme as as you're growing up and that's why some of the actions that that, that they are seen growing up and that's some of the actions you try to imbibe in Porto that hey, as long as you have an empathetic giving attitude, uh, you'll always get more. So it was always more important for us to be to make a kinder and a fairer organization versus a more profitable organization. It's more important for us to be kind than to be clever. What is the number one wrong belief that you've held for the longest period of time about yourself? 2014 <laughs> <laughs> I know more than anyone else. I think that's the, the wrongest belief that I've had for a year or so. <laughs> if you were to start this all over again, what are those three things that you would have done differently? I think that 2015 that I was talking to you about, I think just the appreciation. Uh, so when we started, we were more demand focused. So we have two sets of users. One is our customer and the other is driver. We're more demand focused. Uh, I think it took us like one or two years to realize that supply is equally important. And if you don't have good supply, you can't get demand. Supply is the one who's actually your actual brand ambassador. If he's not happy, if he's happy, he'll provide a good service. He'll make your customer happy. If he's unhappy, he will take it out on the customer somehow. right? So I think just to ensure that he's more important than the demand side, supply comes is fundamental, comes first and then demand. I think we would sort of have that muscle, have that direction a lot early in our evolution. And third is a realization, being a little bit more patient uh, that things are not built overnight. It takes time. And perseverance is the most important quality uh, skill to have. I think over the long run, being at it helps you more than uh, short sprints. I think the famous story of Tortoise versus Rabbit just teaches us that. That's, at least we have seen that happen in our life. When you find yourself in a challenging situation, what is that one question or maybe a thought or maybe a quote that you find yourself telling to yourself? I think it depends upon the context. So uh, in terms of uh, those difficult decisions that we had to take between what to do with COVID salaries, should we take Baker's cross or only should we cut down a few functions and let people go? 
I think the question I ask is that is it a kind decision? Is the it's a clever or a smart decision? Wow, that's a very powerful question. Yeah. Mm. So I think we always try to um, balance and always keep when there's a conflict between these two. Uh, kindness comes first, and then comes smartness or or being clever about a solution. And that's that's helped us in a lot of tricky situation when there's no right and wrong, and you have to choose between two two different solutions. I think that's a that's a beautiful one. So, uh, Pranav, I have a last one. Imagine you are standing on a stadium, and this is the this is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world, and there are millions of people. And you are on stage, and you've been given only one minute of time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your message? That's a tough one. I think first of all, if I'm in such a large room, I will freeze. <laughs> I'm so scared of public speaking that nothing will come out of my my mouth. I think I'll just say that it's it's far tougher to be kind than to be clever. and you always get more than you give i think these are two guiding lights which have helped us take right decisions in in the right time i think i uh, taking a business call is a lot easier uh, taking some of these nuanced calls which has a human angle to it an empathy angle to it uh, they are far far tougher uh, and because these questions are a lot more nuanced whether we launch intercity intercity these are just business decisions right but how do we behave how do we conduct uh and how do we sort of take decisions where you're choosing between two rights and two but different approaches how do you how do you sort of balance uh, uh and how do you decide so i think for us these two things have worked really really well are they are tougher tougher to be kinder than to be clever and uh and you always get more than you give so it's in your self interest to be a giver absolutely pranav and it shows in you know in the response that you've been giving in this interview that how empathetic you are as a leader and i know that it's uh for leaders who are driven by empathy it's not always easy to uh you know take those hard calls of letting go of people or or in you know taking those hard calls is not easy yet we need more empathetic leaders who are uh you know they're supporting people and creating the culture where people want to go back to work every single morning thank you so much for doing what you are doing and building what you're building for the country i wish you all the very best with everything that you are doing and thank you so much for taking this time out i really really enjoyed and, lo- uh, and learned a lot from this conversation thank you so much thank you vijay thanks a lot for hosting thank you Hey thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. We have the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. This is where you get to interact with me and other listeners of this podcast. Also, I share a ton of content there like the book that I'm reading, the content that I'm consuming, podcasts that I'm listening and so on. And also you can share your feedback on making this show better on the community. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. I would love to see you on the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. Don't forget to share this episode as your Instagram story and tag me at the rate Bizzy Speaks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.